Hut, 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 hut. <laughs> it's another episode of The Last Dan, and I'm hyped because the Tyreek Hill trade just started. We're going to be talking about a different type of football today, but we got to start with American pigskin because the NFL is trying to turn into the NBA with all these hot trades, man. I'm here with my brother Ephraim. You guys might remember him from our debate about who was the greatest Premier League player of all time right now we're developing a soccer podcast and I look at it like him and I are like Ghostface and Raekwon and then we also have other people who will be members of the podcast like Ephraim's cousin my good friend Anthony he's a Manchester City fan Marcus shout out he's a Liverpool fan we're gonna have a few other fans coming along in the universe but we're developing a soccer podcast, and right now it's international break. So the club season has died out for right now, but international window is open. And both of our nations, we're trying to fight for a spot in the World Cup. So we're going to break that down and a few other things in the soccer world. But what's going on with you, Ephraim? How you doing, man? I'm all right. Thanks for having me again. Hey, uh, and just go back to that debate thing. Let's be honest, it wasn't a debate. It was a roasting. <laughs> um it was pretty one-sided so let's be honest uh i was dealing with a little more emotion than anything but to be validated in a way my boy did get into the uh, premier league hall of fame yes so, the ninth and tenth exactly he wasn't in the <laughs> top five and he also came in with my brother patrick vier we're gonna break that down yeah. later but of course wayne rooney deserved it he's a legend he's an all-time great I wasn't trying to disrespect his legacy i just had to show how far away he was from being the goat you got it too, man. You are you you showed it, you proved it. There's no doubt about it, man. Um, yeah, man, I appreciate you, man. Thank you so much for having me again. Hey man, thanks for being here, man. So let's just get it started. Um Friday is the first leg in the matchup between my homeland, Ghana, and our biggest rival, Nigeria, and it's called the Jalof Derby. <laughs> are you really? Oh wow. Yeah, man, because we battle about who makes the best jollof. We battle about, hey, man, who makes better music, who has the better women, who makes better soup with the fufu, everything. We compete with Nigerians. So the jollof derby, it gets cracking. It's going to be a heavily contested match. We've played against each other in these type of World Cup qualifiers before, and I believe they beat us the previous three times. Mm. So we're trying to get revenge. I hope we do it, but, you know, being honest, it's going to be tough because we're dealing with the situation where we just had the worst performance in our nation's history at the African Cup of Nations. We didn't win any games. Ooh. And the irony of it is, Ephraim, in 2015, right? The president of Cromoros asked Ghana to send ambassadors to help develop his nation in the sport of football, soccer. Seven years later, these brothers are knocking us out of the tournament. Ooh. So we went from teachers to getting spanked by pupils. Mm. And in that situation, there was a big, you know, stir about who should be the next coach of the Ghana national team. And it came down to Ato Ado, who I wanted to be the coach. 
and Chris Hooten. And if you're um, a Premier League fan, mm -hmm. you might remember him from Brighton and Newcastle. Norwich City too, right? Yeah. And, um, you know, he's, his dad is Ghanaian, so he has mm -hmm. ancestry in Ghana. He's supposedly speaks the Ghana language very well. So he, and there was also a few other people, but it's weird with the setup. So Ato Ado is going to be the interim coach. Chris Hutton is the technical advisor. So it's like, so it's like, yeah, because they couldn't really figure out who they really wanted to be the coach, let's just hire everybody. So, I mean, it's kind of messy and how things are set up, but I hope that Otto Addo really gets to put his imprint on the team because he has knowledge with the nation. He is also, he was born and raised in Germany, but his family is from Ghana. He grew up in Hamburg. And if you're a Ghanaian, you know Hamburg is like how basically the DMV and how New York City is dominated with Ghanaians, that's how Hamburg is in Germany. Ooh, I have cool. a lot of family in Hamburg. My parents actually used to live in Hamburg before they came to the US. Okay. So he used to play for the national team and he also served as a head scout for from between 2013 and 2015. So he understands the system because he as a player and as a coach as a scout mm -hmm. supposedly he is the one that gave us the tactics in the 2014 world cup when we played a 2-2 draw against germany and we okay. should have won that game if jordan iu wasn't selfish if he would have <laughs> just passed the ball to a wide open player and who would have scored on an open goal we would have won 3-2 but jordan iu no i want the glory and huffed it so <laughs> I like Ato Ado. Like I said, he is the one that I wanted to be the national team manager. And we have, they waited until literally this week to announce <laughs> the 27 man squad. And, you know, we have some people that are going to be able to make it like midfielder Majid Ashimeru. Uh, he's very good dynamic. Uh, Wakaso, he's a versatile player, also dynamic, high work rate. Baba Rahman, left back, who's been reliable, and Kalmadin Suleiman, one of our most exciting players. You might know him from what he does at Rennes, um, if you pay attention to Ligue 1. And it's going to be tough missing those guys. And Samuel Wusu, uh, Richmond Boache, Yadom also isn't going to be there. So we're missing a few players. And oh, yeah, and, and Antoine. Um, Semimeno is also not going to be there. So we're missing a few players due to injury. Unfortunately, yeah. that's a part of the sport. But the thing that it's going to come down to, E, is basically, I believe, because Nigeria, they're m missing Wilfred Ndidi, Leicester okay. City's finest. Yeah. He's basically their best midfielder. But they also they went to the African Cup of Nations with also, they fell out in the round of 16 and it was an upset. And oh yeah, let me clean this up real quick. So this is going to be the fifth time Ghana and Nigeria are playing each other in the World Cup qualifier. They also played before in 62, 70, 74 and 02. 
Ghana made the World Cup for the first time in 2006, so that lets you know how those went. <laughs> we didn't win none of them. <laughs> and Nigeria, where their strength is, is that your brother Ngalo is back. Uh, <laughs> Napoli's uh, Victor Osimhen is back, and Emmanuel Dennis. They have mm. a front line that is dangerous and explosive, like before the international break, Ngalo scored a hat trick for Al Halal. Um, Osimhen, he's had a brace for Napoli. So these guys are coming in flying on form. And also for Ghana, we're not going to have our captain and our most reliable player in the final third, Andre Dede Ayu. So Oof. that is unfortunate. He's suspended from his... Um, red card in the African Cup of Nation against Cromeros, which is unfortunate. So it's going to be a tough matchup. Also with Otto Otto, we have um, Didi Dramani. If you're a Ghanaian, a Premier League fan, you know him for what he did for Asante Kotoko, which they're basically like the, uh, I guess you could say they're like the Real Madrid of Ghana. And then the first um, assistant is going to be Ashton Villas under 23 head coach, George Boatin. Those okay. will be the two assistants. So the technical staff is strong. I believe in Ato Ado for what he is as a scout and how he evaluates the game. It's all about putting together the right players in the right formation. I'm glad Thomas Partey is there because he's been playing well for Arsenal. We need his experience in midfield, along with Idrisu Baba, who plays for Mallorca in Spain. We have Mohamed Kudus back. He wasn't able to play in AFCON because of injury. He's been playing well for Ajax. So I believe we have to take advantage of our midfield strength and control the game, because if Nigeria can hit us on the counterattack, it can get ugly for us, because I'm still not believe in our back line and our center backs. I do like Daniel Marte. If you know, he also plays for Leicester and I like Alexander uh, Jeku. He plays for Strasbourg in France. He's been playing well. So, right. you know, I'm a Ghanaian. I believe we can win, but it's like, realistically, if Jordan Ayu is still there at a striker, oh my God, pray for us. <laughs> <laughs> But in the in the other um, Afcon matchups for the World Cup, you have Congo versus Morocco, which will be a great tie. Algeria, Cameroon, another phenomenal tie. I mean, all of them are great. Mali, Tunisia will be great, and then we have a rematch of the Afcon final between Senegal and Egypt. Right. So it's going to be explosive, man. I'm looking forward to it. The first game is on Friday in Ghana. In Kumasi, we've done well in uh, the stadium, the ba uh, Babayara Stadium. I think we've won our last four games okay. competitively over there. So we do well over there. So hopefully we get the result, you know, black stars for life. <laughs> but, but Ephraim is going to get us hip to my other homeland, the great U.S. of A, man. How are we looking going into the CONCACAF qualifiers? We are tied uh, with Mexico, our, our rival, in uh, second place. Um, 
well, we're in second technically, and, and, and Mexico's in third. Uh, we're, we have the same amount of points. We both have 21 points. So it's going to be a big game tomorrow. Uh, and we, I, if I'm not mistaken, as far as qualifiers go, we, we haven't won there at all mm. um, uh, at, at Azteca. So, um, yes, that's a tough place to play. It's a tough place to play. Yeah. And, and getting a draw, I think, will be sufficient uh, if we can do something like that. I, I think, I don't know. Hmm. I'm a little worried only because of some of these injuries, like Winston McKinney. I think we, I mentioned him to you uh, not too long ago yeah. about him being injured. So he's going to be out for a while, and and that's going to be, you know, that's going to hurt a little bit. Yeah, He's definitely been the heartbeat, I guess you could say, the of the team in a way, mm-hmm. uh, especially since that, that suspension uh, that he had uh, not too long ago. Yeah. So he's been really good, and and that's going to stink that he's not going to be around. Uh, we're also missing um, – uh, Mr. Aronson, uh, he's going to be out for a while. Uh, he has a knee injury, so we're going to miss him too. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't know, man. It's going to be it's going to be a very interesting uh, uh, last three games. Um, then we have Panama on Sunday, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and so yeah, it's going to be it's going to be fun. Uh, I expect us to. I would like to see us get seven points out of this. Yeah. I think we can. The only the I want to see a draw against Mexico. I think we can pull that out if we if we really hold tight. We usually, I say we usually play them pretty well. We've definitely played them pretty well recently. I, I say that. Yeah. Um, we just beat them uh, the last qualifying round. We beat them two two nil. Um, and so I have I have faith that we can. It's just going to be different, obviously, because we're going to be down there in Mexico this time, and and that place gets crazy. Uh, it, it's it's wild down there. That atmosphere is ridiculous. Sure. Um, from what I understand, so. Uh, it's going to be a heck of a fight tomorrow, um, but I expect us to come out of it with a draw at least. Um, I say zero zero. I don't think anybody's going to score. I could be wrong, obviously, but um, and I think like I said, we play Panama and then Costa Rica. Um, so Costa Rica's right there. Panama is right there as well. So the U.S. has to win. Like they have to. Like I take that back. And then not necessarily they have to win every single game. But they have to be on their P's and Q's. I mean, Panama is only four points behind. Costa Rica is only five points behind. Um, so they both, all of them still have a chance. Um, so we have to be ready. Canada is is just killing it right now. They have lost zero games in this qualify in these rounds. Uh, they are seven four and zero. Um, so yeah, they're 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 doing their thing, and they've only given up five goals in eleven matches. So yeah, Canada, yeah, Canada's coming up. Um, so they they're Mexico and US necess- can't necessarily say they're the powerhouses. I mean, Canada's kind of the new guy on in, on the block in a way. Yeah. But uh they they beat us not too long ago in the last round of qualifiers. They beat us 2-0. True. So go figure. Yeah. Um, yeah, so they're they're legit. They're legit. Uh that's the team to watch out for. And I'll be honest with you, Dan, I, I don't really expect if we do end up qualifying, which I expect us to do, yeah, uh, I don't expect us to do really much in this World Cup coming up. I would, obviously, I would love to see us go far uh, and do what we can. I kind of want to see us selfishly show off for the next World Cup because it's going to be in the in the uh, North American continent. But yeah. you know, it is what it is. I'm, I'm obviously going to be there rooting. You know, big fan. Hype for these young players to come play. Um, You're gonna be doing that chant. I believe that we will win. I believe <laughs> that we will win. In my head, I will. Yes. Yeah. I'm not gonna say. That. 
I might sound kind of weird. Um, but yeah, man, I, I have I have some pretty good hopes for this team. I, I really I love the young core players. I think if not now, the next one is really the one that's that's going to really set us apart and and help help us stand out a little bit more. Um, uh, you know, people had question marks about Greg Bol- uh, Berhalter and and his tactics and his philosophy and. You know, hey, it, it's it's worked so far. Uh, you know, we we did we had a good summer. You know, we won the um, the Gold Cup. Uh, great, great, great tournament. That was a great win against uh, against Mexico in a hostile environment on the U.S. soil in Las Vegas. <laughs> so, um, I mean, pretty much anywhere the U.S. plays, it's going to be we're going to be outrun unless it's like Minnesota or Seattle or hey, like come up there. Hey, I lived in. Ellensburg, Washington. So I know how it is over there. Hey, there's a the big Mexican community. It's the West Coast, man. Like you said, sure. if it's the West Coast and it's the Southwest, they're going to be there. Yeah. They hey, look, so, so like here, when the U.S. plays here, when they played Mexico not too long ago here in Denver, you know how they play in the MLS stadiums usually? Yeah. Other places. Nah, <laughs> they played it in Power Field. Mm-hmm. And I tell you what, it was about 90 to 10 when it comes to Mexico versus uh, uh, U.S. fans. It was crazy. It was ridiculous. <laughs> the Mexican contingent in Colorado is humongous. Yeah, it's man. big here. So, but anyway, so, but that's almost anywhere in the U.S. Uh, when it comes to us playing soccer. So, yeah. um, it, we haven't gotten there yet. We're getting there, I think. I think we're, we're getting more recognizable. I think we're, our soccer fan base is growing a lot more now. I think the MLS is not necessarily... It obviously, is not up to the to the echelon as, uh, uh, as uh, you know the European clubs or anything like that. Even I would even say the Mexican clubs are probably still a little higher up in, in a way. Um, but but I think that the U.S.'s soccer uh, uh, clubs here with the MLS are are definitely doing a, a much better job. So of uh, you know so anyway, yeah, I think I think. I think we'll be fine, man. I think seven points will, you know, I, I can see seven points uh, uh, come out of this round. Yeah, and I see um, ESPN FC, they put out an article today breaking down the spots each continent gets for the World Cup. Europe has 13 spots. CONCACAF has uh, three and a half. So theoretically, Canada, Mexico, and the U.S. will advance, and then maybe someone else will get through, depending on the final playoff, the intercontinental playoff. Mm-hmm. So South America, they have four and a half spots. Uh, like I stated earlier, Afcon, Africa, we have five spots. And uh, who else? Let me double check. Oh yeah, Asia has four and a half spots. So far, Iran and South Korea are the only two that have qualified so far. And Oceania has 0.5 spots. (laughs) So the final two spots will be uh, will be on played in Qatar one off June 13th and June 14th. So one of them will be the an Asian team versus a South American team. And then a CONCACAF team versus an Oceania team. Hmm. So it'll be interesting to see how it goes. But I think with the, with the U.S., one reference I would give you 
is that in 2006, when Ghana made the World Cup for the first time, and we actually beat you guys, and we, you know, went to the knockout stage and we lost to Brazil, that was a great experience for the team. Yeah. In our first World Cup, we were able to at least get out the group stage and then to play to someone like Brazil and see the levels. And right. in 2010, when the World Cup was in Africa for the first time in South Africa, you could see we had a lot of confidence and we beat you guys again. Whoa, 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 whoa. Calm down, <laughs> and we made the quarterfinal. And if it wasn't for Luis Suarez, hey, maybe we're in the semifinal and maybe mm -hmm. we're the first African country to win the World Cup. But that's in my mind, my imagination. Maybe I'll <laughs> write about it one day. Hey, you guys pulled, you guys turned out real, real well in uh in Africa. So yeah, um, so like I think yeah. the US playing well in this World Cup, that can be a catalyst that in 2026, when this core is older of Pulisic, Timothy Weah, uh, Musa, McKinney, mm -hmm. all these young guys, Stefan, if they get the time, uh, who else y'all got? Dest, like all yeah, the, this young right talent, if they can find a chemistry together going into this World Cup, and use it for like they like you said they won the gold cup last year that's great like keep pushing forward 2026 can be special right i like i love our midfield man i really do like i said if, if mckinney wasn't hurt obviously that's the biggest the, uh one of the biggest losses there you know you got tyler adams as well yeah um you also got Kellen acosta who plays in mls but he's he's pretty he's pretty solid um so you know we got a, we got a lot of young talent um, that will be really prime uh, for the next uh, World Cup, if you ask me. That's just my opinion. Um, you know, uh, Serginio Dest, uh, great young player. Um, yeah. Goalkeepers, for whatever reason, we always have some really good goalkeepers. I mean, look at Matt Turner. He turned out over the summer yeah. uh, when Zach Steffen wasn't around. Um, Zach Steffen, obviously, as well, uh, another great um, uh, – obviously, he's not going to get any playing time being where he is. You know, Manchester City, he's not – He's not uh, uh, unless Ederson gets hurt. <laughs> he, yeah. He's not getting in that spot. Um, so yeah, we we definitely have some uh, some good talent there that, that's ready to be to be used. So um, I, I'm I'm excited, man. I really am. I'm, I'm Timothy Weah is is always you know a, a really fun player to watch. Christian Pulisic, he just needs to stay healthy consistently. I think, and and we'll be fine. Obviously with Reyna as well. Um, another guy that that's really great player but just stays hurt or has been hurt recently so yeah um but nah man i'm, I'm all in man I, I love this team i really do man I, I think and you already know how i feel about the fact that there's so many young brothers on the team so yeah it's cool uh, so that's another couple of them from ghana but that's another story <laughs> right exactly. <laughs> exactly um but nah man i love it man i really do i think i think we got uh, a heck of an upside um and we'll be we'll be good i think we'll be fine you know, yeah, I hope. Agree. And so, hey, I'll be rooting for you guys. Yeah, so you guys play for us against us. Sorry. Yeah, no doubt. I same. I'm. I'll, I'll be rooting for you guys for you know until or at least in, if we play each other. But uh, yeah, I, I just can't believe we played each other in, in three straight World Cups. I think that's crazy. Yeah, man. It's like it's like the soccer gods was testing me. They're like. I remember, man, that 2014 World Cup, everybody was calling me, 
as soon as the U.S. scored that goal so fast. Oh, my gosh. Man, I, uh, I don't want to go to a dark place right now. Positive <laughs> thoughts, positive thoughts. Who are you telling? You talking about that? Uh, talk about um, the U.S. against Belgium. That was a heck of a game <laughs> that we could have ended up pulling out. Or, you know, Tim Howard was the man in that game. I mean, he had like 14 saves, if I'm not mistaken. Like one of the yeah. – I think he had a record. Yeah, uh, I remember that. Okay. He was going crazy. Man, he was lights out. Tim Howard was like – shout out to Tim Howard, man. He was lights out. Yeah. The man was lights out. He was killing it. Um, so, so, yeah, I was talking about disappointment because, uh, you know, getting to that spot, you know, I, we lost to – I know we won – I think we won – we beat Ghana – I know we lost to Germany. Uh, I want to say we drew, and with then we're Portugal? going to the next round. Hmm? What about with against Portugal? That was the draw. I think that was oh, a draw. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, so yeah, I mean, we we you know we were we were there in a way. You know, we <laughs> did our thing for the most part. You know, Belgium was just a really good team, unfortunately. So uh, they did their thing. Yeah, man. Speaking of doing their thing, let's go back to what happened on Sunday, man. Whoa. El Clasico. Whoa, that wasn't even right. Yeah, Real Madrid, they, they had special kits trying to wear all black for their 120th anniversary and got flu flammed at home, man. Four man. Hey, Dan, I, I, man, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. I mean, four nil at home in the, in the Barnabao. Oh, come on, man. And to be fair, we know Kareem Benzema, Real Madrid's best player, he wasn't able to play. But yeah. that doesn't excuse how open their defense were, how sloppy the passes were. It was just embarrassing. Like, if Courtois didn't have the performance he did, it could have been like 10-0. And, <laughs> yeah. and Aubameyang missed a couple sitters. Mm. So it was, it was crazy, man. Like, Salute to Xavi. It looks like Danny Alves, his prophecy came soon. I believe it was in December when he stated when it was rumored that Xavi would get the job. Danny Alves stated that, you know, the 1.0 of Barcelona was Johan Cruyff. 2.0 was Pep Guardiola and Xavi mm. would be 3.0. Mm. And so far it's still early, but it looks like he's bringing the team back on the right path. You see the Barca philosophy of high press and intensity, playing in triangles, playing together, smooth transitions and passes. And because of Aubameyang and Dembele and Traore and Ferran Torres, they exploit the pace with pace, with the flanks with pace. They're so yeah. quick coming down to attack. And Aubameyang, you know, I'm an Arsenal fan. It didn't work out this season. Arteta had enough of Abba's problems with, you know, being on time with things, and maybe he didn't fit the way Arteta wanted to play. So they just agreed to rip up his contract and let him go to Barcelona as a free agent. Once again, poor business by Arsenal to let your captain walk away for nothing. But it, it looks mm. like it worked out for both sides because Arsenal was still holding on in fourth place, trying yeah. to get in the top four. And Barcelona looks like they're secure in the top four. And next season, they're going to be in contention for the league. But did you watch the game? And if so, what were your impressions on Barcelona? Because... 
we talk about all the time who's the greatest team, who's the greatest team, and we always bring up that Pep Barcelona era of 2008 to 2011. Mm-hmm. But from what you saw, how do you feel about the uh, the progress made under Xavi and the style of play coming back? Um, I mean, it's, I'm, I guess I'm not surprised. I'm going to start with the style of play. I, there's no way. I, I mean, I'm not surprised. I mean, he was doing that when he was in the Middle East uh, coaching. He had taught his team to do that. Because uh, I, I think you had sent me a video of him breaking down how he uh, coached the team up. And, and Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, so I'm not surprised that he came back. I mean, look who we, look who we came up under. I mean, look, look at the era that he came through. You know, Tiki Taka. Um, you know, they were dominant for a nice stretch. Uh, you know, so I'm not surprised that Xavi has instilled that kind of of mentality, that kind of um, philosophy with that team. He brought it back to what made them successful when Pep was the coach there. I'm not surprised. It's just like Arteta in a way. Like, he wants to play something similar in a way as well. Like, he, they, they are products in a way, even though Arteta didn't play for Pep, but he coached under Pep. He yeah. got his philosophy from Pep and obviously from Arsene Wenger as well, right, who loved to play that pretty football. So um, so I'm not surprised at all, but Xavi, uh, I, I like the progress. I think you had sent me uh, a text about how their points were, uh, what, second in La Liga since yeah. he's been there? Oh, first, so, actually. Of course, that's right, 36, was... 7 to 36, that's right. Yeah. Yep. So that, that in itself shows you, and after that, and that was before that game, so he's now at 40 to 36. Oh, no, so, that was after the game. Oh, was it after the game? I apologize. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, yeah. So, what? still, he's still leading. Since he's been the manager, the coach of Barcelona, he is leading the league. Yeah, granted, in the grand scheme, it's probably going to be Real Madrid that wins the league. At the end of the day, though, teams better watch out next year. You know, Barcelona might go on and win the Euro, Europa, uh, Europa League. Obviously, they win the Europa League without winning their uh, their their league. Even though they'll be in the top four, they'll automatically be in the Champions League next year anyway. So you got to watch out for that. A team like them with that kind of philosophy. I mean, think back when 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 Barcelona was was so big uh, uh, in the uh, mid two thousands or two thousand tens and so. Yeah. I mean, did we before they became big? We didn't really know a lot of those players, Xavi, Iniesta, you know, Messi was coming up a little bit, uh, you know, so we didn't really know as much about them, especially the midfield guys, until they became who they were, until they be- got in that philosophy, got in that system, and they became who they were. And Iniesta could arguably be one of the best midfielders that we've ever seen. So, I mean, yep. he's he's up there. He's up there as far as like a, a, a top midfielder. Um, ideal midfielder. And let's not forget about how much Xavi was 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 influential as well. So, um, yeah, I, I'm I'm not shocked, man. I'm not. I'm I, it, I'm I'm glad he's doing his thing. Uh, watch out, England, in the next maybe four or five years. The man speaks English, so watch out, because I can see him coming to England sometime soon. Not soon, I should say. Maybe in like four or five years. Maybe maybe something like Pep did. Who knows, maybe. man? Maybe. Maybe he wants to be a winger and, and Ferguson and just stay at Barcelona for 20 years and dominate. Or maybe he does want to be uh, the modern manager that likes to travel the world. We'll see, but it is interesting. And as an Arsenal fan, I feel like we're a family. 
Arsenal mm. under Wenger, he brought it to us. Ferguson, I mean, not Ferguson, I'm, Arsenal, Ajax, and Barcelona. You mm. see the specific style of play. Yep. And you see the way the academies are used that everybody on every level plays the same way to try to That's play attractive football. Of mm -hmm. course, it all stemmed from Ajax and the idea of total football under Rennes Mickles and Johan Cruyff. And yes, then Johan Cruyff and Rennes Mickles went to Barcelona. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and then Cruyff came back as a coach, as a manager, and built La Masia in the way we see it today. His star pupil from the academy happened to be Pep Guardiola, who mm. played as a defensive midfielder at a world-class level. He was on the dream team, the first Barcelona team to win the Champions League. Mm. And Xavi talks about how when he was a kid, Pep was the symbol of how he was supposed to play. He was originally a defensive midfielder also as a right. four. And eventually when Frank Ricard came, Dutch legend, oh, what a coincidence, is <laughs> the one that moved Xavi up to play centrally. Mm. So I feel like Arsenal is a part of that family. Of course, it, we can't compare to the history of Ajax and Barcelona in terms of their continental success, their domestic success, and how mm. long they've been playing this way. It's came to Arsenal since 96 to 2018 under Arsene Wenger's reign. Yep. And then it went away when we had Unai Emery <laughs> and Lundberg. And now it's back with Arteta. And it's mm -hmm. cool because Arteta, like you said, he was an assistant coach under Pep Guardiola. Mm -hmm. And also, if you're not aware, he is also a product of the Barcelona Academy. Hmm. So this is his DNA. Yeah, he was in a Barcelona academy as a kid, and he okay. played for the Barca C team and B team. And then he went on loan to PSG and went to Rangers, was at Sociedad for a year, then went to Everton and Arsenal. So he is of the Barcelona family as well. So that's why I like that, hey, he was a Barcelona academy product. Wenger brought him in to play that defensive midfield role because that role is important for a possession-heavy team. Yes, sir. And now that we see Xavi doing well and Arteta doing well, hey, it makes me feel good. And I hope Arsenal continues to keep this tradition of this style of play because I feel like football, soccer, sometimes, hey, I, my brain, it's both the same thing, but I feel like sometimes it's like um, Star Wars, man. It's like you have the clubs that are just driven by trophies and success, and there's nothing wrong with that because at the end of the day, it's a results business. Right. But I also love the clubs like the Arsenal, like the Barcelona, like the Ajax that want to play a certain way to win those trophies. Right. So I'm happy that I'm supporting a team that, I'm a football romantic, man. So yeah. I like to see that style of play still being effective in this, you know, analytics era of pressing, pressing robotic football. It's nice to see beautiful plays sometimes still. And yeah, I think I mentioned it to you. I, I'll say it all the time, man. That Barcelona style that I've that I kind of introduced, got introduced to, 
I wasn't really watching the uh, the uh, Dutch League too much, so I didn't really know much about Ajax at the time um, and, and that rich history of how they played football. Yeah. Um, so my first introduction to that type of football in a way was through Barcelona. And so, uh, and then obviously in retrospect, uh, I, I kind of went back and found out about how how influential the Ajax system and the uh, total football was. Uh, but my boys might, my boys Manchester United might be uh, joining that club here soon. Cause uh, we, I heard that we are uh, talking to Ten Hag right now. So we have talked to Ten Hag so, so far. So that's the leading candidate apparently. For I, the, I hope you guys take him. You guys are going to mess him up. Oh, I, I agree. I agree. I agree. Because the, already, real quick, sorry yeah, to cut ahead, bro. I was going to say real quick, the, the, there's already uh, speculation that the management of Manchester United already putting their, putting, putting their hands in the pot saying they want a former player to be some kind of a transitional coach. Like, are you serious? These are grown men. They don't need a transitional coach. They don't need somebody like I heard, I heard Rio Ferdinand was in the, the mix. They said Robin Van Persie might leave Fanor to come over to help. I'm like, come on, man. Y'all got to stop. Like, let the man, if he is going to, if you want somebody like him, which any Manchester United fan would love to see that kind of football come to Manchester, I'm, I'm quite sure, especially now. Um, you got to let this guy, you got to let this coach be the coach. You got to let him bring his own backroom staff in. You know, and not have that kind of influence on who he's going to have on the sideline with him. Um, to me, that's all, they're already they're already starting. If the rumors are true that they're already asking him to 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 have a former player <laughs> as a transitional coach, like come on now, come on, these these men are grown. They're getting paid hundreds of thousands of dollars a week. They'll be okay. Can't you know? say that though when they're crying every week to the media about how hard practice is. That's the problem. <laughs> yeah, no. like, that's, that's literally the problem with Manchester United. You got a, oh. a thousand players who think they're all world class superstars because they have a lot of commercials <laughs> and they get awards from the government. And now they think that they're tough, they're the top players, and they don't want to work hard, even though they haven't really won much yet. Pogba, you've won a World Cup. Varane, you've won a World Cup. Cristiano, we already know your legacy, but that's mm -hmm. the problem. And those guys, Pogba and Cristiano Ronaldo, I don't know if those guys are the right guys to be a leader of a team because Cristiano Ronaldo, the reason why I always push back at people that try to say he's the greatest, he's this, he's that, he is phenomenal. And he does have a case of being the greatest of all time. I won't deny that, but he plays football in a way that you have to do everything for him and if yep. you look at the team of Jadon Sancho, Rashford, uh, Alanga, Bruno, Pogba, these guys also want to show themselves in the game. They don't want to just cross the ball endlessly and that's the problem. Don't you realize how better your attack was last year with Falcao compared to now that you guys don't have a shot unless Cristiano scores? That's not a coincidence. And that's why I always say Cristiano, for as great as he is, I will always put Messi, Pele, Maradona, the people that make players good by creating as well as scoring, that will always be better than you got to feed me the ball because you have to play through me. And when a teammate shoots, I get mad. I yell on the pitch like, that's not, what? what is that? 
I agree to an extent. Absolutely. I will say that he is, I will say he's the goal, goal scorer. I'll give him that. But as far hey, as the scored the most goal, well, according to his numbers, because Pele yeah. says I scored this, Romario <laughs> says I scored this. Who knows? Yeah, yeah they were they were talking trash about Pele scoring on like kids and stuff, like saying that he counted those goals and stuff. So, yeah, you know, I mean, <laughs> but, uh, people always res- disrespect the old school, even though Brazil. Oh, if I you know. look at all the talent, think about it. Brazil won the fifty-eight and sixty-two World Cup and nineteen seventy. Brazil was one of the top leagues in the world. It's not like he was just playing against nobodies. And if you're a student, you know that Pele was not allowed to leave Brazil until the 70s because the government literally would not let him leave to go play in another country because that's how much he meant to the country's economy. National treasure, man. National treasure. Had to hold on to him for a minute. (laughs) Yeah, man. So... Cristiano, good luck with him. Sorry, I look. I still probably can get fourth place because Arsenal, we're young. We're going to go through rough patches. We got a tough end to the schedule. So you guys still have a shot and so does Tottenham. So I like to see how the how you guys will react after the window. I don't know, man, because I'm, I'm there's a lot of just a lot of mess going on. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not mad at Paul Pogba. He, he has some quotes come out uh, recently talking about playing for PSG and saying he's pretty much open to playing. He likes playing, I'm paraphrasing, but he's basically saying he likes playing for his national team and the players from the national team. Mm-hmm. Basically saying he like like playing in France. Um, so there's a speculation that he may go to PSG. We already know that he not he's not uh, happy at United. His house got broken into that Tottenham game, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, and I saw that one of the World Cup medal, which I'm surprised. I'm, I'm surprised he had it in his house. But at the end of the day, right, his house, look, some, somebody broke in his house, which, didn't, which shouldn't have happened. But, um, you know, so he's definitely, look, he's not coming back. I don't care what anybody says. I, I don't blame him. I mean, I'm not mad. Like, I like him a lot. I think he's a great, you know, talent in a way. Um, he has his inconsistencies sometimes. Um at the same time, he he's definitely a person that can thrive in a certain kind of system. The systems have changed so much here at Manchester United that he I don't know that he ever really got settled. And I think, at least in the moment that he got transferred back to United, uh, you know, the money kind of, you know, pulled him in. Um, you know, because I think if I think if he would have really thought about it, he may have turned coming to United down. Um, yeah, in hindsight, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, it's easy. Just right? like Lukaku, man. Right. Hey, man, right. just because you want homecomings, it ain't all good to go home sometimes, man. Go somewhere uh, else. Yes, exactly. I agree. So, you know, United, I, I don't want to talk too much on United, but yeah, it, it's just, it's like I've said before, man, it's a mess. Uh, it's top down. I feel bad. If we, I, I'll be excited for Tunhog. At the same time, you know, I'm kind of like what you just said. It's almost like, yeah, they're going to ruin them. They're going to they're going to mess it up. They're going to put their, you know, their hand in the cookie jar, stir things up a little bit more than they need to. And it's going to be a mess again. So it is what it is, man. It is what it is. (laughs) Oh, man. Let's talk about something positive that involves bidding for the euros. Is that positive? Uh, No, it'll, 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 you know. 
it has a former red devil. I guess once you're a devil, you're a devil for life. I don't know how that works. Maybe he wants to be saved, but hey, the latest inductees to the Premier League Hall of Fame, Patrick Vieira and Wayne Rooney. So congratulations. Your boy got in finally. <laughs> if you say finally, like the man just left a couple of years ago. So it's not like he's been gone for, you know, and, hey, I give the Premier League credit. They're not doing like the NFL and, uh, and American leagues and wait, making them wait five years to get them in the Hall of Fame. Um, I mean, so, they yeah. just started this Hall of Fame last year, so. True, true, true. I know. I know. <laughs> they still could have made them wait. There's other people they could have put before him that retired before him. I think this is fair. Like, like I said, yeah. I believe this is like their unofficial list of the top 10 greatest Premier League players ever. The fair first enough. two inductees were Thierry Henry and Alan Shearer. And then you have Cantona, Roy Keane, Lampard, Dennis Burkamp, Stevie G, Beckham, and now Rooney and Vieira. Ooh, look at all those Arsenal and, and United players. I mean, you know, the first decade of the Premier League, that's what it was. Yeah, true. <laughs> so I respect, hey, don't, don't forget Alan Shearer. Hey, he won the Ooh. Premier League with Blackburn. That's historic. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yeah. And the Blackburn never Yeah, Stevie G never won no Premier League medal. He still got in. So, I mean, hey, salute to him. He deserved it, of course. Oh, yeah, definitely did. He won, what, two Champions Leagues, I think? One. One, it was just one? Okay. Yeah, 2005. Okay, okay. Yeah, Against, uh, Long, right? Yep, yep. That's one of the first Champions League finals I watched that game. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's legendary. Um, Okay, yeah. I mean, it was, it was, it, yeah. Definitely happy that 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 uh, Waza got into the uh, to the Hall of Fame for the Premier League. Um, left with two hundred eight goals, had one hundred three assists, won five Premier League uh, trophies. Um, so yeah, he's he's doing this. He did his thing. Your boy player uh, this Vira. season one year, even though he didn't win the league, should have given it to Drogba. <laughs> um, <laughs> your, your boy Patrick Vieira. Uh, 307 appearances, 31 goals, 34 assists, three trophies from the Premier League, part of the, we already know, the invincible group in 2003, 2004. Greatest club so, team of all time. Hey, I can't argue that. Club season, argue. league season. We know we're not talking about Champions League, all that, because Arsenal doesn't have one. I know the joke. Ha <laughs> ha. Chelsea fans, you don't have one either. Not in my personal history, but. Oh, here you go again. <laughs> but hey, man, Vieira. He's a phenomenal player. I believe he is one of the guys that is what people want the modern midfielder to be, a person that can play as a defensive midfielder, box to box, could drive the ball into the final third, could make the passes. He was so technically gifted. He was physically strong. He was like the perfect central midfielder. So I'm like a Yaya tour. Honored to watch Vieira, and I'm happy he's doing well as the manager of Crystal Palace now. Yeah, no doubt, absolutely, absolutely. He he's he's he was a great player uh, uh, for you guys. Um, and, and I said he's kind of like a Yaya Torres the other way around. Yaya Torres kind of like him. Um, yeah, some kind of body type and 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 physicality, the way they can drive up the uh, the pitch um, from the from the uh, defending third up to the uh, final third. So, no. Nah, Vieira was that man. He was yeah, the Frenchman the difference was, is that Yaya, he was able to be a, a attacking midfielder and score goals. So 
Vieira never got that because, you know, in oh. front of him was Henri and Burkamp. But, and then in the national team, you got Henri, Zidane, all these mm. guys. So, mm. but man, Vieira, he's one of the captains, one of the best captains in Arsenal history. We've had three black captains. Henri, Vieira was first, then Henri, and then Aubameyang. So I'm sure that's the record because we know how the Premier League gets down. And we know Arsenal's the blackest team in England. Out of all the <laughs> historic teams, we've always had legend. We it's a fact. You can go I, I agree. the most black legends, it's yeah. Arsenal by far. No, easy. It's easy. It's too easy. I already know. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So yep. hey man, respect to the captain. I'm happy he got in. Well deserved. Respect to Rooney. Well deserved. And it's cool. Maybe one day we should make a trip to England to see this Hall of Fame. Do they have an actual building or is it just a metaphorical Hall of Fame? That's a great question. I do. I did see like a plaque with a jersey uh, with Rooney uh, number 10 and the Premier League uh, patch on the uh, sleeve. I don't. That's a great question. Um, I'd be happy to go. We can even do like a podcast or another podcast from there or something like that. That'd be great, man. I, I, we, should, we should definitely uh, look into that. I just went on the website. You know, it don't look like they got a location. It's presented by Budweiser, though. So, all right, cool. <laughs> or, uh... <laughs> got it. <laughs> okay. Hey, look, we can still go to England and watch a game, a match somewhere. You know, maybe we could uh, catch a Manchester United uh, uh, Arsenal match or something like that. Oh, that would be cool, but it has to be at the Emirates because I don't want to go to the Devil's Lair. You know. Whoa, 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 whoa! Let's flip a coin. <laughs> I don't want to be around that many devils. That's crazy. But now nah, nah, we can go. I, I might have to bring my holy water and spray down the crowd. <laughs> I wouldn't mind, actually wouldn't mind going to the Emirates though, because uh, you know, I wanted to see London anyway. But uh either way, look, let's let's talk about it. We'll talk about it. Oh, we'll for sure. It. Yeah, that's definitely gonna be something we do down the line, man. No doubt, no doubt. We'll get even get Anthony in on it. For sure, but how do you feel about um financial fair play? You know, as we come to the end of the podcast, UEFA, you know, adjusted their financial fair play rules. Now, clubs will not be able to sur uh, surpass 70% of their income to use on transfers. You know, they've talked about using salary caps before, but I don't believe that the nah, big- Not a hard one. They're not going to do a hard one. They used to have an idea. They were working on an idea of a hard cap before, but that got shut down. So, I mean, it kind of seems the same. Like, if you're a Manchester United fan, you know you generate more revenue than a Burnley, than a Brighton. So what's the difference if teams can only use 70% of their revenue? Big clubs generate more revenue. So I don't mm -hmm. think anything changes. Not, not even like yeah that's a great point because look, look at like manchester city psg like in that article you you sent me i, I read a, a, a new york times article that kind of um broke that down there's also yeah. another article in um uh sports illustrated that breaks it down too so uh they mentioned uh psg and and um manchester city and and, and how their owners obviously we know that they're uh from the middle east with that with that oil money yeah they 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 basically print their own money um, so it, it's going to be tough. Yeah. In the long run. I mean, I know they have a, I guess they have a scale down. They're going to go from 90% to 80% to 70% or something like that. Yeah. So in three years, they got to be within, I think they're going to have a meeting in April. 
mm-hmm. to finalize that. Um, and then it's going to start at 90 percent then go down to 70 percent after three years. And it's going to supposedly stay at 70 percent with the certain circumstances, letting certain club, you know, clubs can go 10 million over, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, man, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if it's going to be. I don't know that it'll ever be a hard cap, honestly. Um, it, it's it's. It's not, I don't know. I, I think it's a good starting point in a way, but there's got to be more to it though, I think. Because it's t- t- the thing about football, international football, is there's so much shady stuff that goes on behind the scenes. Um, kind of we talked about before one time about how, you know, should, should you know, uh, should, you know, owners and stuff be vetted and, and look at where they get their money from and this, that, and the other. Um, and how, you know, certain teams can kind of skirt by certain rules that other teams can't. Um, so I don't know, man. I still think there's going to be some backroom dealings going on, some, some kind of underhanded stuff. Uh, that's that's Because it's always been like that yeah. you know, with, with soccer. It, it, it Money speaks. I mean, look at Russia. For whatever reason, they're bidding for the Euro right now. Like, are you serious? Like, look at the optics, bro. And you want to bid for the euro? Come on, man. I mean, they probably looking at it like, and this is our last topic of the day. Yeah. Great segue. I mean, they're probably looking at it like, hey, man, the World Cup in December is in Qatar. And if you look at the construction of these stadiums and how they supposedly got workers from Africa to work for basically nothing like modern day slavery, people are dying to build stadiums, working crazy hours getting barely any sleep sleeping in in terrible places people are dying their family has no way to get in contact with them and the world cup is going over there so i mean russia's probably looking at it like hey man we just had the world cup in 2018 hey y'all knew we wasn't moving the cleanest of course everything changes now with this conflict in ukraine and it is outrageous that they're bidding for the Euros in 2028 and 2032, especially since their national team can't participate in any international competition. But right. that just goes to show you how Putin is moving. He's acting like everything is good and you guys are tripping, not me. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, it's sad to hear that, that uh, as, you know, we're, we're, we're soccer fans sitting here, you know, and we're talking about the deaths of people that have built stadiums. It's not anything new. I mean, it happened in 2014 uh, in, in yeah. Brazil. Yeah, remember that. the protests in Brazil? And not only that, Dan, it's, it's also, yeah, obviously the deaths are, are, you know, unforgivable in a way. You know, you can't, you can't gloss over that at all. You also have stadiums that aren't being used anymore. So that's the... Another concern that you're going to have. So think about Qatar. How many of those stadiums are they're going to be filling up like that? Um, you know, I, South Africa. You know, they 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 can't fill. They don't even use half the stadiums. Yeah. I think it was still they've they've had to convert some stadiums to like parking and 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 other things. They they had stadiums way out in those cities out in the uh, out in the um, the Amazon the jungle. Uh, the some cities out way out there that you know there weren't big football clubs out there. So why they built, you know, a 50,000 seat stadium for a club that probably only sits like 15, 20,000, yeah. you know? So I don't know, man, it, it's, it's a, it's a sad give and take with soccer. It really is, man. For sure. 
Well, let's try to end on a happy note, man. Dang, I can't think of anything happy after the end. <laughs> um, the international break again. Just round back up to that. Hey, oh, let's go. Let's I, oh yeah, I got a happy note after this. Go ahead, brother. No, that was it. Just happy. Go USA. Yeah, go USA. Go Ghana. And I got a stat for you, man. Okay. That goes back to when you first appeared on this podcast. Excluding penalties. This is by Opta Joe. Excluding penalties, Thierry Henry scored or assisted every 94 minutes in the Premier League, the best return of any player. And second is Cunaguero with 97. Tied for third is Luis Suarez and Salah, Liverpool legends with 104 minutes. And fifth is your brother, Ole, 109 minutes. So another stat to show how far in the head Henri was from everybody else in the Premier League. Well, I like how you threw that one in there at the end. Oh, um, man, you know I had shit. to do it. <laughs> but thanks for joining me, Ephraim. Yeah, anytime. Yeah, man. We're going to continue working together. Like I said, Ephraim and I are developing a soccer podcast. We're still workshopping names. Like, comment, subscribe to the podcast. We're on apple spotify google wherever man you can find it in mars but yeah another episode the last dan see y'all next week i'm coming back soon i have a double header today i'm recording chopper soup convos with jamal later so that'll be fun but thanks again ian peace yeah. and love to everybody we'll talk to y'all soon peace everybody